welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast, a general practice podcast brought to you by Menlo Park Recruitment. Illuminating Primary Care is here to quiz primary care leaders to offer professional knowledge, experience and insight on the biggest topics in general practice. It's the podcast to listen to if you work in primary care. Welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. Welcome to this episode of Illuminating Primary Care. Have you ever wondered how you can avoid burnout? Would you benefit from tips to prevent this? If so, then stay tuned to hear how. I'm your host, Alexa from Menlo Park, and today I'm joined by GP Dr. Karen Forshaw and Chartered Physiotherapist and Psychotherapist Chrissy Mowbray. They form their company Resilient Practice to teach effective, evidence-based tools and techniques for maintaining well-being and resilience to all. Both Karen and Chrissy are practicing healthcare professionals and so well-placed to understand the the pressures clinicians are currently facing. So welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, it's a pleasure. Hello. Thank you for being here. So should we start by giving our listeners um, a bit of an overview of your journey and how Resilient Practice came to be? Absolutely. Karen and I met um, approaching 15 years ago now, I think. Yeah. Um, we met socially at a mums and toddlers group. Our kids are the same age and both as practicing health professionals, we were supporting each other. Uh, we sort of gravitated towards each other um, and we were supporting each other in terms of looking after our patients with unexplained symptoms and people who were more challenging um, and, and sort of taking our work home and, and kind of passing things between each other. And we developed a set of skills that we started to use um, for each other so if something had happened during the day or something that we wanted to unpack we would unpack it together and sort of crystallize what was needed um, and then we read some very frightening statistics around uh, doctor mental health particularly GPs and uh, we had put some kind of packages together for some of our patients and we wondered whether the RCGP would um, appreciate some training in terms of well-being and resilience um, and burnout prevention and they said yes so we started to teach some full days pre-pandemic and then over time we have hugely honed our courses um, to uh, adapt to what people have asked for and what they've needed and what things have come up for us and for our delegates and for our patients and now we have a full array of courses that we teach to all different uh, groups of health professionals. Um, so do you want to add anything to that Karen? Nope I think that covers it definitely. Um, oh well actually and then in so in 2021 um, our book How to Rise was published which actually has over 60 tools and techniques that are evidence-based ways of basically keeping your well keeping you resilient and keeping you enjoying life because actually that's the point of, mm. of it really isn't it absolutely yeah so in prep for this podcast actually I did a little bit of reading around statistics um, and it came as no surprise to hear that the proportion of all medical trainees at high risk of burnout doubled from about 10% back in 2018 to approximately 20% in 20, 2022. Um, and the figure spiked sharply over the last year. So could you just define exactly what burnout is in your own words and the consequences of not managing it correctly? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, so burnout is a very particular type of work stress, actually, and it is kind of um, defined as mental and physical exhaustion with a kind of detachment or a cynicism and then alongside that a real feeling of inefficiency or ineffectiveness and that's the kind of package that of symptoms that really that people start to feel and it is associated with some really horrible statistics actually it has a massive impact on your physical and mental health so it affects our sleep it affects our mood it affects our blood pressure it can increase our risk of getting anxiety and depression it can increase our risk of heart disease it can increase our risk of stroke And obviously, then you've got the more direct effects that it impacts on people's ability to do their job, Mm -hmm. because actually when we're really stressed, our bodies are full of kind of really negative stress hormones and that actually impairs our cognition. It makes us forget things and it probably makes us less effective as clinicians, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And then and obviously then people tend to take time off if they if they are getting really um, unpleasant symptoms. And that then compounds the whole workforce problem that we've got at the moment anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole. Yeah, it's burnout is a huge thing and is definitely on the increase. So although it's at unprecedented levels currently, it doesn't actually affect absolutely everybody, does it? Why are some people okay in any given situation and others just not? Go on, Chrissy, I know you want to answer this. (laughs) Question. All of our training starts with a really deep dive into self-awareness, even the small sort of short courses that we do, because actually we are all different, aren't we? And as you've said, some people burn out and some people don't, and yet they seem to be exposed to the same situation. And so we would all rather be the person who doesn't burn out. So we're all about honing the skills that you require for resilience to action. And we're not saying that the environment, it shouldn't be challenged because it should, but we are better placed to challenge the environment if we aren't affected by the process of challenging it. So we're resilient. We can actually go and say, this isn't appropriate without it making a dent in us. And the first thing to do is to become aware of this person that we bring to work, um, that we we actually, we all have a unique model of the world uh, in our head, a unique um, understanding of the way that the world is. And that comes from, Um, Our experiences, the way we were brought up, what we were exposed to, the overculture, what was said to us, the way that we saw people interact when we were children. Um, And a set of life experiences. We learn our go-to responses. We learn as children whether um, shouting and screaming gets you what you want or whether withdrawing and being quiet gets you what you want. And it's all about, about... fitting in and being accepted and kind of avoiding being kicked out of the tribe. So we're we're looking to be approved of to get attention. Um, And uh, we we develop this personality based on how adults behave towards us when we're children. So, you know, if things are approved of, if we're, you know, say if, if we're really good at art, if we draw lots of pictures and somebody says, oh, that's really, really good, then we'll do more of it and we'll get better and we'll become known as the artist of the family. Or if we're approved of for being caring, and uh, we'll often gravi- gravitate towards a job like medicine if, if we if we show lots of empathy as a child because and, and if, if, if it's approved of. So um, if you were to describe yourself in 50 words, those words are probably given to you by people in your childhood and you become this approved of abridged version of self. 
And the more you get to know that self, the more you realize that every aspect of yourself is actually a choice. Um, and it's what you and all your behaviors are choices as well. All your go to behaviors, whether you're somebody who snaps back at somebody if you feel threatened or whether you go very quiet and sulk or whether you fix everything. Those are go to responses. And when we understand that about ourselves, that those are unconscious choices the natural thing to do is become really, really conscious of them and to observe our behaviours in all situations. When we switch on that kind of awake, observing aspect of self, we're able to press pause and say, actually, today I'm choosing my responses. And that old response that I do every time gets me this outcome every time. Actually, I'm going to choose whether there is a more appropriate response um, that will, will not get me the same outcome. And that's how we change our environment. We manifest different things for ourselves. But we can't do that unless we get really aware of what this this person that we've brought to work is. And um, and that's how we, we kind of repair the chinks in our armor. We um, when we're no longer unconsciously reacting to things, actually, we're choosing our response. We can actually choose to not be affected by things. So I, I just want to say there's a very big difference between something being offensive or somebody saying something that's offensive and actually choosing to be offended by it, because mm. you could say um that's an offensive comment or you can say I find that offensive now the I find that offensive leads to me having to do some work on my kind of body chemistry whereas they actually if I'm saying that remark is offensive we're actually dealing with the remark so we're affecting the environment without being affected ourselves and that's where um, we believe that resilience comes from the ability to choose whether or not to respond to something internally mm -hmm. um, and to do the work as well around around resilience and becoming kind of bulletproof mm -hmm. and how long does it take to become kind of more self-aware that's a <laughs> bit of a, a silly question I suppose but so I think the first step is actually making the decision to start, yeah? And then it's a lifelong journey, actually. Mm. Um, and we are forever <laughs> kind of meeting up and saying, you'll never guess what happened today. <laughs> and I did this and I can't believe that, you know, I slipped back into my old go-to responses. Um, so, so it is, it's lifelong. But actually, as soon as you start to notice when you're maybe have a negative pattern of behavior or a negative pattern of thinking that's going on in the background, actually just, just noticing that it's there gives you more power over it, doesn't it? Because you can choose whether you let it run or whether you choose an alternative mm. thought or feeling or behavior, really. Um, so, so yes, it is an ongoing process, mm -hmm. but the more you do it, the better it gets and the easier it gets. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so I think when we first chatted, Karen, you'd mentioned offering our listeners kind of um, a bit of a toolkit. So top 10 tips um, for burnout prevention. Um, are you happy to both chat those through now? Yep, absolutely. Definitely. Um, so the first one sounds quite fluffy, um, but actually it's really important. And this is about practicing gratitude so when we people who are grateful there's actually a lot of research has been gone into it and when we are grateful for things then actually we generate positive body chemistry so instead of those negative kind of stress hormones we feel much more positive um, and we can we can be grateful for gifts but also if we can look for lessons that we've learned when something happens then we are being truly grateful for everything that happens so that's definitely number one for me 
Okay, I want to talk about mindfulness. It's very um, hot topic. People uh, uh, talk about it a lot these days, and actually, it comes from um, very old Eastern kind of tools. And um, it's about being present in the moment. So you can't. Um, anxiety comes from projecting ourselves out of the present moment into the future or into the past. So if if something terrible's happened and we're ruminating about it and reliving it and 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 kind of trying to see whether we did something wrong or could we have done something different, we give ourselves a dose of the body chemistry that would have happened at the time. So fight, flight, adrenaline, cortisol, not good for us at all. And the same when we are projecting ourselves into the future and worrying about the worst case scenario. So worrying about what's going to happen when I have a meeting with so-and-so at work tomorrow or worrying about, um, you know, something that's coming up or whether something's going to happen. You know, I'm, that I, I'm going to have a terrible accident or I'm going to get a diagnosis or those sorts of um, projecting out of the present moment gives you a dose of the body chemicals that you would have if you were experiencing that. If we bring ourselves into the present moment, we are usually safe. So we've got, you know, food, water, roof over our head. There's nothing terrible happening. If there is something happening, we're usually so busy dealing with it that we're not feeling anxious about it. The anxiety mm. comes from living in either the future in our head or the past. If we can be really present. Now, there are mindfulness exercises you can do where you actually use all five senses um, to eat a piece of chocolate or, or um mindful walking go out in nature quite often we go out and walk the dog and we don't remember the walk because we were paying our bills in our head or you know having an argument with somebody but actually if you use all five senses and you're really present that reduces the anxiety hugely mm-hmm. um, and allows us to focus if there is a problem in the current in the current uh, it, this comes from Eckhart Tolle who wrote The Power of Now it's an amazing book so he'll say take yourself right into the present moment and ask yourself is there a problem right now not later not before right now and if there's a problem you have two choices you either do something about it right now or if that's not possible you have to accept it and anything else is madness so that's a hugely anxiety uh, reducing tool um presence and mindfulness Excellent. Next, I'll go with sleep. I think that's really important. Um, So the amount that you get and the quality. So detoxing before bed is absolutely important, isn't it? Get off your screens. um, Make sure that you have a really good bedtime ritual. Everybody who's a parent will know that a bedtime ritual is really important. But as soon as we become adults, we forget all of that, don't we? We don't have our own. Um, So try and establish that. Um, make sure that your bedroom is a nice place where you want to be. And if you are laying awake worrying, then I would say get up. Don't don't lay in bed trying to get to sleep. That that usually ends um, un, well. It doesn't work really, does it? So you're better off getting up and doing something. And then when you feel tired, come back to the sleep after that. Um, and you can use apps and things like that to listen to music or a meditation before you go to bed, which can be helpful. Okay. So the next one is um, to challenge the narrative that's going on in your head. We call it challenging distorted thinking. So um, in the cognitive behavioral cycle, we have uh, thoughts, feelings and behaviors. And the thoughts part of that is the story we're telling ourselves all the time. And we have a core belief, all of us, that we're not good enough. We're not quite hitting the mark. And that comes from a place of fear of not being accepted. So if we believe we're not good enough, we'll always be trying to get accepted and we'll always be um, accepted into the tribe, which is the opposite of abandonment so um, we're always wanting to be liked always wanting to be good at what we do wanting approval wanting attention wanting to be noticed and all of that comes from that fear of the opposite that happening and that drives our thinking so actually we will give meaning to events that 
isn't true. So for example, if I walk into the staff room and my colleagues are talking, I might tell myself they're talking about me. They've got hushed tones. I know they're talking about me. It's clearly because they don't like me. Um, and that will manifest all sorts of stuff. And there isn't a shred of truth. The only truth is that they're talking. But I've given it meaning out of a fear that I don't belong and that I'm not accepted into the group. And I might go and complain about them to my boss or I might go and recruit allies and talk to somebody else who I do believe to be a friend about them. And then the outcome of that is that I become my behaviors kind of I manifest that dislike I become that person who talks about people or who complains to the boss about people when there isn't anything in it and I actually manifest that thing that I was worried about so we must always when something happens ask yourself what are you telling yourself what's the story you're telling yourself and is is it true or is it really just true that xyz's happening mm. they're just talking um and and to avoid giving meaning avoid trying to create something that will manifest something negative mm -hmm. physical activity i'll take that one next that is so important and we as we're healthcare professionals and we talk to patients about it all the time but actually we're not good at getting that are we we have quite sedentary jobs sometimes we might do on calls a lot of the time which means that we don't get time for physical activity but incorporating it into your day is really, really, really important. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be running a marathon. Actually, the best evidence is from people who go from doing nothing to just doing a little bit. So if we can just, even if it's just going out for a walk um, at lunchtime, that will be beneficial for your mental health. Okay, I'm going to talk about um, breathing now because it's something that we can consciously do when under stress. Um, breathing's there all the time. It's something you can't do in the future or the past. So going back to that mindfulness thing again, we can only breathe in the present moment. And um, there are lots of breathing uh, techniques on our website um, that you can you can have a look at and learn. But diaphragmatic breathing is the one that we teach the most. It starts every meditation that we ever do um, with our delegates starts with a breathing technique. So taking the air right down to the bottom of the lungs, slowing the breathing down and making it really conscious. It's something that you can do when in crisis. So even if somebody's shouting at you and you're constructing a conscious response, uh, you can slow your breathing right down and that will actually down-regulate the fight-flight response um, and create calm, a feeling of calm and bring you back to centre, back into the present moment, bring you back into control. Uh, Visualisation is a really good technique that we need to harness um, and that is literally about making practical acts conscious. Yeah. So um, so for a good example for healthcare professionals is that between patients, we wash our hands and actually grab hold of that action and add some meaning to it. So, in fact, you're washing away everything that happened with that patient. So if you've had a bit of an altercation or a difficult consultation or you've had to give somebody some bad news and you've absorbed some of their kind of fear or sadness you can kind of metaphorically wash that away while you're washing your hands and leave yourself fresh and clean for your next patient and that's just a nice way of protecting yourself from absorbing negative energy really right I'm going to talk about communication then so align your words with what you actually want to say uh, all of us feel drained when we are, are come up against passive aggression and it tends to or gossip these sorts of insidious ways of saying 
what you mean without actually saying what you mean um, and kind of adding emotion. So if you say something like, oh, I'll load the dishwasher then, even you, if you've, even though you've been at home all day on your Xbox, actually, you don't mean I'll load the dishwasher at all, do you? And what you're liable to get from that is something passive aggressive back. And then you lose the point. Every It's open to all sorts of um, misinterpretation. There's a lot of sort of slippery emotion coming in there of, of resentment. And actually, if we just say what we mean, if we just align our words with our intention and say something like, would you load the dishwasher, please, because I've been at work all day and I need to sit down and rest, then the person will probably drop the Xbox controller and say, oh, yes, time got away from me. I'm so sorry. I'll go and do it now. Um, and then if you're if you met with, if you've got passive aggression coming towards you, not everybody's um, on the path towards enlightenment, not everybody's <laughs> going to follow and clean up their languages because you are, you can then actually ask for clarity so you can say what I'm hearing is you're frustrated because I've not loaded the dishwasher other than doing that now making you a cup of tea is there anything else I can do to remedy the situation so if you're really clear with your language and you say what you mean and remove emotion from it don't let your frustration or your anger or your resentment or your envy or anything else bleed into your communication because that's really your stuff that's stuff that you can go away and say well why do I feel frustrated or why do I feel envious of that person and and, and work on the self-worth or do the the kind of self um stuff self-mastery stuff but don't let it leak into your communications because it's really not about that person it's about what it's about you and, and clear communication will will actually get people mirroring you with clear communication back hopefully mm -hmm. okay what where are we up to now lost count of the numbers I have as well <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about saying no because i think that is that's a, it's an extension of communication actually um but i think it's important for healthcare professionals because lots of us have real difficulty in doing it and that does lead to us taking on more than we should or more than you know more than is sensible or even more than is safe sometimes um so actually saying no has to be about going back to that self-awareness and understanding why we are a yes person yeah and are we saying yes because we want to be liked and we want to not upset other people actually what we should do is check the well actually first thing we should do is just say is not to say anything straight away because we get into this knee-jerk reaction of saying yes straight away. So we should always press pause and say, I'll respond to that and give an appropriate time frame. So I'll get back to you within an hour and then allow yourself to go away and really think about this thing you've been asked to do. Is it something you're really passionate about? Are you the best person for the job? Is it part of your job description? And if the answer to those questions isn't yes, then actually you probably aren't the best person for the job and you should say no. And then it's OK to say no. And you have to let go of the guilt that always hangs over us when we say no to things. So we've come up with a few phrases that are quite helpful because people don't like to just say no, full stop. Usually what we say is, I'm really sorry, but no which means that we don't really we don't really mean sorry do we <laughs> we just want to say no and we're trying to make it so that you don't dislike us for saying no um so so useful phrases are that doesn't fit for me my diary is full at the moment so you need to find somebody else to do that job that's not part of my role actually the person you need to speak to is and then point them to the right person yep so then you're not just saying no you're giving them an option of where they need to go. 
but it is important that we preserve our time and and that's actually an important part of self-care really okay i'll take meditation then an ancient practice which encourages to focus on one thing um it brings calm to the mind it has all sorts of physiological benefits that there's a plethora of research on meditation there's a recent study um, that shows 15 minutes of meditation per day regularly has a similar effect on stress and mood than a day's holiday if you get up to meditate 20 minutes before you normally get up the chances are you will sabotage yourself and say no no i need to sleep because we do sabotage ourselves we always get in our own way this is what you find when you start to do this work is that you know exactly what to do but actually because it's scary because we we moving forward is frightening we tend to sabotage ourselves but if you set your clock a little bit earlier and get up um to meditate you will find that your day goes an awful lot more smoothly meditation incurs the um rapid eye movement and um altered um brain waves uh, similar to when you're between sleep and awake and that's when you're processing it's when you're dreaming it's when you're unpacking and sorting out what's happened throughout the day um the same as when you're doing hypnotherapy if you're in a hypnotic trance you're in that state between being wide awake and fast asleep um where you're processing you're also more suggestible so if you listen to a meditation with purpose so for example if you're having trouble sleeping there might be a meditation that will encourage sleep or if you're having problems with confidence again you might listen to a meditation with purpose to increase confidence there are lots and lots of those in the end of our book all with different um, purposes and a couple of free ones on our website to listen to um, and um, it's a really really healthy thing to get into the habit of doing on a daily basis and um, it just makes things go more smoothly and uh, allows you to process and unpack and as I say has a really great effect on our physical health as well. Absolutely something that I need to get into I think <laughs> jump on the meditation bandwagon there's a few people I know we're doing right now absolutely are there any other points that you'd like to share or have we covered that was 10? our top 10 Is that yep. the 10 gosh that flew <laughs> thank you so much for offering us a taster of your expertise and sharing these invaluable tips um, I know you offer a variety of courses and workshops that you're able to deliver both virtually and face-to-face so if any of our listeners are interested in having a look at the range of range should I say of training packages that you offer could you direct them where they can find out more yep absolutely so our website is www.resilientpractice.co.uk and there's a contact email info at resilientpractice.co.uk so please do get in touch even if it's just to have a chat and you know and, and ask a question anything is always welcome our absolute passion is about making sure that people are okay in this job that we're doing <laughs> and you know we want to share our tools with as many people as possible and give your books a plug <laughs> <laughs> so how to rise a, a complete resilience manual which is available amazon waterstones um wh smiths i think as well which is exciting excellent well once again thanks so much karen and christy for your contribution today we look forward to welcoming you to the next episode of illuminating primary care brought to you by menlo park recruitment thanks bye-bye 
You've been listening to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review and share so others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support. If you're a practice looking to recruit permanent clinicians, such as GPs, nurses or allied health staff, please get in touch at menloparkrecruitment.com or email james at menloparkrecruitment.com. For daily primary care news, please follow Menlo Park Recruitment on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you'll join us next time for another episode of the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast.